Hey everybody, welcome to Rumor Flies, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Greg. With In-Depth Media. I guess we're just going to keep that intro. Yep, why not? <laughs> welcome to season three. Welcome. We are kicking off our season, like we typically do, with a Disney episode. But before we get into that, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I've been doing stuff and things. How about you, Josh? How you been doing? I've been doing things and stuff. Greg, Can't complain. What stuff and things have you been doing? And then we'll go in circles. Only tell stuff, the entire no class things. About it. <laughs> Greg, tell us. Tell Only us what's stuff, doing. no things. We haven't seen you lately. What stuff? I don't know. Working, working and twerking. Oh, that Big Frida Christmas album, so hot. Yeah. Come on. A very bounce miss Christmas Dude, or whatever. A, yeah. a, a big free to Christmas. That's it, whatever. Anybody that follows the Instagram. All I want for knows. Christmas is the beat. Come that on. was totally Greg, not me. <laughs> Come on, dude. It's so good. So since Greg's not going to say it, we just all want to wish Aww. Greg a very happy marriage. In Greg- an English accent, uh, American accent, rather. <laughs> oh, my we God. We did Cockney last that time. I don't think people understood I that. I still apologize for that Halloween episode. I don't. That was retribution. Yep. Greg got married, so uh, he's now settled down. So congratulations, buddy. Ryan and I were there. It was very beautiful. We were happy for you and your lovely wife. Oh, thank you all. Yeah, and Marsha looked great. Yeah, I know. She's she's a lovely lady. Mm-hmm. She's way better looking than you. <clears throat> Truth. That's why that's why we're in an audio medium. There we go. <laughs> I got a face for radio. <laughs> and a voice for newspaper. <laughs> How about you, Josh? What's well, been going on? I'll give you a, like a, a, a B minus for effort on that one. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I just you know been hanging out, getting my shit together, life in order, whatever. Uh, you know things are going, things are moving, and uh, you know every day is a new day. That's how I look at it. That's the most detailed in like view into your life I've ever heard. Yeah, I like it. I mean that's like that's that's just what it is. Fine, you know what? I'll do the show and tell. I'll give some details. You know what, Ryan? They don't think it'd be like it is, but it but do. It do. <laughs> As you can already tell, season three is off to a strong start. <laughs> Real strong. Well, since you guys are asking, uh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, uh, my sanity's back a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. am done with school, still at work, um, but done with school. Never go back for another degree. No. Nope. It's terrible. Yep. Uh, but th- after that, I went to Houston for a little bit. I went to Texas to try ethnic food. It was funny. I got a Mongolian hot pot. I got Korean. I got Vietnamese. Dude, I got Indian food. That Mongolian hot pot place is the tits. It's so good. It's I called Little it. Sheep in case anybody ever goes to Houston. Or really? if you're there, in Houston, send us some. There's literally places in Texas because I used to live there called Mongolian hot pot. That yeah. was literally the name. Yeah. We should start a franchise down here. Yeah, we should. So uh, Mongolian honey I got to try pot. that. Yeah. And I also saw it. <laughs> you piece of shit. I also saw the first Aphex Twins show in 15 years in America. That what? was cool. Yeah. That's so, pretty sweet. Yeah. He was like a rainmaker. Like it started, it, the temperature went from 81 to 46 in like an hour and a half. Um, it's crazy because like I have always, every time I've gone to Houston, I've been like, you know what? Houston isn't that bad. I live in Louisiana. It's fine. Houston always proves me wrong and says, you're more extreme than you motherfucker. <laughs> and then that's it. So that's the most recent things that have happened with me that was of any note. So, shall we move on to the actual content of the show? Slave research to appease you people. Yes, we did. So, our final installment of the Disney franchise. The trilogy comes to our right. final plan installment. We might have some intros, our there, rogue ones of Disney. Yeah, we'll probably end up doing something farther on down the line. But, you know, we always teased uh, the third episode, which is about Walt Disney himself. Disney so, we are covering the man. the man, the myth, the legend, Walter Disney. And Ryan, why don't you kick us off before we, you know, keep going? Okay. So as a primer to this, uh, I just want to get a little bit of a litmus test before we actually uh, go to the end of this episode and ask the question again. Do you think that Walt Disney 
would have if he was alive to see what Disney has become today. Okay. Like say he still died, but somehow he was brought back to life because he might have been cryogenically frozen. Oh God, we already got to that. Spoiler. S- say he was just thought out and then he saw what happened today. Do you think he would like what he sees? No. No? And my, from what I know of Disney, because I've actually done some research into him. So, bef- like, and not even talking about this episode. So, like, I, I have a pretty good handle on Walt Disney himself. But yeah, I don't think he, he would have uh, enjoyed what the present day company is. Not that it's bad, because it's not. But I think it's very different than what he wanted. And we'll get to that later on. Yeah. See, uh, as a little beginning bit of it, I, I would, I would have said before I started researching. Yeah, I think he'd be amazed by what he's seeing. But at the same rate, uh, after doing a little bit of research on this, I'm like, uh, maybe not, because I really see, you know, he's this, um, as Greg would put it, a zeitgeist at the time, you know, uh, on the surface, he's this guy that is like the American dream of the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and he embodies all of those ideas and uh, thoughts that were very concurrent with what people really wanted. However, if you just lift the veil a little bit, you have somebody who was very much well, debatably not compatible with today's standards of what a uh, moral or um, acceptable type of behavior is. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. And like I said, this is something that will be coming up in this episode, but like it was a different time. There's no way around it. Like life was different back then. The social standards and norms were different back then. And, you know, I, this is probably so radically different that I don't think he would have done well adapting. Yeah. It's going to be hard to actually not, go political with this one we like we have a standard not to do that on this show but it's uh it's gonna be walking on eggshells with kind of like comparing some things um so let's just jump straight into it well yeah. i, I will say one tiny little thing is that at the end of the day as much as he believed in what he did and he believed in his art and you can go all day about the moral character and his dream and his vision but there's one aspect of his vision that's absolutely true it's that he wanted a media empire and make no mistake Disney's a juggernaut. Yeah. I mean, they're the most successful like film franchise solely because of, you know, they own Marvel, they own Star Wars, and they own, you know, they get parts of uh, Pixar profit sharing to begin with. And, you know, they just, they're just bathing in money, Scrooge McDuck style. And I can say that without yeah. any copyright, too. I'll nice. put it this way. You want to make a lot of money, you slap the name Disney right in front of it. Oh, yeah. Disney's blank. It could be Disney's Tyler Perry's Transformers, and then it would sell great. <laughs> I never know I wanted a movie so badly until now. <laughs> I would absolutely watch that film. And I hate Transformers, and I hate the Tyler Perry series. Well, that's how you make money. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I mean, like, why do you think that, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like, make so much money? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, Johnny Depp's great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But you don't Kira think Knightley. that. But Disney's just throwing money at the franchise to give them like the special effects and everything <laughs> that they need. You're a piece of. It's shit. just this ever expanding thing because Disney has you know Marvel. It has Star Wars now, and you know I can't be like you know. Well, I can't say screw Disney because they own Star Wars now, and they've made, in my opinion, two very good movies since mm-hmm. then. So I mean, uh, so on that note, let's uh, let's look into the uh, yeah, it's weird. The man, the myth, the popsicle. <laughs> That was, bum, believe it or not, bum, not bum. scripted. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the first one we're going to jump in with is kind of a dud in the water. Uh, it's going to be the fact that... Uh, strong start, strong start. <laughs> it's going to be that Disney Noise. had a massive porn stash. And Josh, it is not a John Waters porn stash like you mean. 
it is straight up going why, to be. Why can you let me have my fun? I mean pornography because I know what you're going to do. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean a pornographic collection. And I've heard this before. I, I that's what I always say. I've heard this before. I, I've heard it too. Like it's it's been propagated a good bit. It's not something that we just pulled out of our asses. It's not obscure. It's that Walt Disney was secretly a pervert and had a big porn collection. Uh, I don't know. He kept it in. Let's say it was Cinderella's castle. Let's go with that. You know, somewhere completely you know ambiguous, and uh, that he behind the scenes was kind of smutty. Well, the truth is, he was hard to find to research this one way or the other. Uh, I could not find anything to corroborate that he actually did have a porn stash, aside Kawabawe, from Kawabaway. <laughs> I fill him off as a wacky glue. Uh, so you didn't find anywhere that he even owned pornography. Period. The only websites that I could find talking about this were the ones with the black background and either white or red font, saying that Walt Disney not only had a giant porn stash, he also. Um, Probably had sex with children and was nice. in the Illuminati nice. and all those other great things that you'd like to associate with, you know, uh, lizard people. Yes. So a reptilian brothers. New World Order, Flat Earth. I'm sorry, I could not prove them wrong. <laughs> or Hollow Earth. But I also could not find anything from direct <laughs> sources saying that. <laughs> well, Ryan, I hate to shit on your parade. No, I'm kidding. I love shit. I, on your I was parade. waiting for that. Yes. I, I actually found something a little bit. Before you say that, I did find one website that almost fooled me. There was one called DisneyLies.com that was awesome. And it was said like in the quote on there, it was like, uh, we have a link in the show notes as always, because this technically didn't help me out, but I almost fell for it until I read the other Disney lies. Uh, It said something like Disney had a small collection of his father's Playboys because it was nostalgic. And then also he said that he had one uh, like picture, a loop picture of the Alwyn cast. Uh, wait, is that the same thing you were in reference? I, it's been referenced, but not. I wasn't on that website. I was on the website for something else, but it's well, it's in the, it's in the show notes. Period. Well, real quick, let's go with this. How old is Hugh Hefner? Oh, he's got to be in what in his eighties. Do you think that Walt Disney's dad had a collection of Playboys? <laughs> Get that logic and reason out of here, you yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> So anyway, that one is complete utter bullshit. I cannot get a bigger rubber stamp to put on that one. Uh, what I'm just gonna go with, yeah, Walt Disney probably had porn, but did he have this massive stash that anybody would be willing to put in like a publication? Like, oh my god, you should have seen Walt's collection. It was crazy. He had everything you can imagine. No, I don't think it was anything like that. So everything is conjecture at this point. There is nothing to prove that he had a porn stash that was any bigger, any smaller than any average American man of that time. Yeah, and probably porn back then was just like women's ankles because they weren't allowed to see them or something. Ooh, scandalous. Well, judging by the dress codes of how you could get into Disneyland, it's not a lot to consider for porn. You ain't allowed yet, bro. So, you know, that's me. Quick, dirty, in the water. Uh, well, what you got? It, you make a nice segue because... There was also a, another story that doesn't have a lot of basis. The story's been told many times, like I heard it multiple times working in Disney World, that Walt Disney was not someone you could, you know, pull the wool over his eyes, just, you know, so to say. He was somebody that was very meticulous to detail, that looked at everything, and people tried to see what they could get away with. Now, so the story that I'm, you know, referencing right here was that. Disney fired a bunch of his staffers because of a snuff film. 
And essentially what how the story goes is that there was a party where they were going to premiere some kind of new animation. So the animators were there and everybody was there and Walt was there and it was like some kind of big party. Now, I've never heard what kind of party was or anything like that. So there was this new clip that they were going to premiere and the animators decided they were going to try to pull a pass, pull a fast one over old Walt and they inserted a piece of porn or smut film or something into the actual cartoon, but fight club style. So there was like a couple reels of it and it would just kind of flash on the screen really quickly. I guess I should say spoilers for those of you that haven't seen fight club, but (laughs) I think 17 years removed. I think that's fair. We came out ninety eight, I think ninety nine. Yeah. Anyway, so they they put you know a couple um you know reels of it in there just to really pop up on the screen really quickly, and it was even suggested at points that uh it was Walt Disney's wife who was inside the reels. Now, press and pause right there. What kind of woman? I believe her name was Lily. Lillian. Yeah. What kind of woman was Lily that? There was just naked pictures of her willy-nilly all over the place that these people could find. See, I've heard my own st- version of this. And yeah, that's actually a very good question right there. But I- I've heard uh, mine was a little bit different. Mine was that it was some sort of like party for, you know, the studio staff. And Okay, similar. And the staff thought it would be entertaining. They're just like, ha, 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 let's like, you know, just play a little prank on Wall. He'll really enjoy it. He's a good sport. Yeah. And um, the story goes that they screen this film and it started off as a regular old, you know, little Disney flick with uh, Mickey, Donald, uh, uh, Minnie, anybody. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it just goes from zero to 100 and they just start getting down and dirty, taking it the clothes and it becomes like a smutty like rule 34 type of Disney film. And Walt Disney was just kind of like, ha, 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 that's kind of funny and everything. And then, like, whispers to somebody the next day, like, or at the show, he's like, hey, who put this together? And then somebody tells him the names, yada, yada, yada. And the next day, all of them have pink slips and they're gone. You're fired. So, I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound <laughs> uh, topical. Doesn't sound completely off base to me. I mean, I that sounds like a fireable offense to me a little bit. No, I, I'm totally on board, but. Um, it was, but yeah, essentially but, they were fired. But it's merging another thing that I had read that we, I didn't think we'd be covering, which is like the idea that Walt Disney could pull something out of a single frame and find out if there was something off in there. Like for instance, a pornographic clip, like the whole Tyler Durden thing. There's like, you know, all of a sudden he has a naked picture of his wife that somehow he didn't have access to. Right. Uh, that was in there for, you know, one thirty second of a second. So, you know, I, I just don't think he has that ability to. To see that quickly, personally, uh, there. So, for the record, there totally is a dick at the end of Fight Club. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, anybody that has not realized that there is a giant dick at the end of Fight Club that just gets flashed on the screen that most people haven't noticed. Yeah, Edward Norton's the last thing you see. Yeah. Anyone? Ah, anyone? 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 So, uh, well, oh, wait, no. oh no! <laughs> I didn't. I quote a Big Bang Theory. This podcast is over. Bye, guys. <laughs> so that website Disney Li- Disney Lies that you were talking about. One of the things that they claimed that pertains to this story, uh, and there was nowhere else on the internet that I could find this. Like I searched high and low. I even like looked in other places. That have nothing to do with Disney, but like I just went searching high and low to see if there was any mention of it. One of the things that they propagated was that there was a bit in the the movie Snow White where Snow White's running through the forest 
and there was something wrong with the with the reel, like somebody didn't shade in properly, and there was an ink smear, and Snow White was topless. And I've seen that one too. And Walt Disney caught it and and stopped it before mass production, and nobody was fired though because he just said it was an honest mistake. It's all bullshit. Okay. So the fact that we have three potentially four stories, yeah. kind of surrounding the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, means that there's already some loose ground to be walking on there. Yeah. So like these first two that we talked about. These are things that are very much hearsay that have been passed around by word of mouth kind of thing. You know, kind of why we do this podcast after <laughs> cha-cha-cha. And, you know, like there's not a lot of basis for it. Now, the rest of what we're talking about, like this is where we kind of get more into like the hard hitting stuff. So, Ryan, I believe that you got probably the, the heaviest hitter of this episode right now. Yeah, I do. But we're not going to get to that just yet. Oh, all right. Sorry. So the closest thing I could actually find and actually, it, like I said, we don't really... In, like researched each other's stuff but since we're all looking up the same blanket topic sometimes there's crossover and i found something that is a very close story to the or at least the closest thing to what we're talking about with the firings and it revolves around the science fiction writer harwin ellison oh i know about yeah i heard about this yes uh, yeah he uh like disney overheard him or something like that uh not walt disney but Harlan Ellison is known to be one of the most contentious writers in the history of literature, modern literature, I guess. He's still alive, and he's still a dick. But he is a very well-known science fiction writer. He actually wrote the first script of iRobot. Had nothing to do with the Will Smith one, though. Um, he was involved with Star Trek. He got in a fight with Gene Roddenberry, like all this stuff. So naturally, he is a great person for Disney to take on. <laughs> first day of working at Disney... Harlan Ellison is in the lunchroom, and he comes up to this, uh, some other staffers, and it's just like, hey, guys, we should pull this cool prank and do a Disney porno. And then apparently the story goes, and I think this one's from his mouth, that he starts imitating a lot of the characters, just going willy-nilly and doing what they would do if they were f***ing each other. Playing pipe. And it just... <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it turns out that... It, it turns out that the person that was nearby and her was with an earshot of Harlan Ellison was Roy O. Disney, Walt Disney's Hermano. So, <laughs> Hermano. I'm telling you, Ilias name. That's Spanish right there. <laughs> so, uh, it was Dis- it was it was Disney's brother. And the next day, uh, Harlan Ellison got his pink slip, and he was fired. He was gone. Yeah. So there's definitely different versions of the story that all result in the same thing. You know, that have the same loose bases on it. So I can see how it evolved to become a juicier story. But really, if there was a Disney porno film going on, it was shot down in the concept phase. It was like dead on the drawing board. Yeah. So, there's no there's no way it would have ever happened. Yes. So that one's that. Yeah. So now we're getting to the biggest heavy hitter. I'm sorry I jumped the gun a little bit, but to me, this is the biggest thing we could have covered in this episode. Uh, I would like to contest that, but this one is the one that surprised me the most well, because I didn't know this one. I didn't work at Disney. I didn't know this backstory or anything. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so Josh, uh, there is one quote that I've heard from you a million times. And just if you can read the notes right there, I want you to say it. When he was talking about the opening of Disneyland in 1954, I believe, he said this one 55. quote. Okay, well, that's what you're the expert for. Okay. What did Disney say? Two in the pink, one in the stink. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. And he should have added technically at the end of it, because there is this idea that most people assume, and I assumed it for a while, and I will say it was kind of a very meta, like, Inception type of rumor thing. Exactly. It was a rumor type of thing for me, like Inception deal, that Disney created Mickey Mouse. Walt Disney himself, I should give that little bit of clarification. Okay. Because, I don't know if you guys saw for a while, I was trying to find this reference movie. I was like, I was like oh, I'm going to find this clip and I'm going to go ahead and prove everybody wrong and show how wrong this clip was from this movie. I thought that it was Saving Mr. Banks that was the talking about the life of Disney. No, that was more about Mary Poppins and Tom Hanks, you know, trying to get that whole thing going. Yeah. But I thought there was a movie that was giving the biography of Disney that was, um, it, it had Ryan Gosling as the actor. As Walt And it was Disney? called Walt. And I saw the poster, and I saw the trailer. Oh, and that everything. was fake! It's a great poster, by yes, the way. Yes, it, it was so fake, and it and it, it like it totally tripped me out. I yeah. just recently found out that it's, was uh, fake. It's Gosling like riding a train, looking out the window, and it's like him one, looking at, no, it's not only that; it's him sketching. Yeah, and uh, like the cloud is like in the shape of Mickey or some bullshit yes. like that. Yeah, and it's very very relevant to what I'm about to talk about. So. Obviously, I don't really need to explain who Mickey Mouse is to most people on Earth, except for maybe some Mongolians. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like they haven't seen Disney. Uh, so rude. Sorry, Mongolian listeners. I haven't seen anybody in Google Analytics that says they're Mongolian. They might. I'm, rude. I'm sure they've watched an ep- you know uh, one of the Johnny Tsunami movies or something. Anyway, I feel like I don't have to explain Mickey Mouse Still to anybody. Rude. I feel like I don't have to explain Mickey Mouse to anybody. Okay. It's a pretty iconic character, just as much as Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Jackson. You know what? They're actually lower tier than Mickey Mouse. I was going to say, there might not be a more iconic character than Mickey Mouse. There's Mickey Mouse and the McDonald's Arches. That's where I think I put it. Yeah. So, um, it, pretty much a lot of people believe that the concept of Mickey Mouse was the first thing that got Disney off the ground. Like, that is what kind of made him prominent and me being me i can call bullshit already because i know that's not true well yeah i'm gonna give you the backup right here i think i think you will be satisfied with my explanation of this okay um if anybody has not played epic mickey yet which is a game for the wii it brings back a character that is kind of the crux of all this oswald the lucky rabbit yes Thank you for jumping the gun on that. Thanks for shitting on my topic this time. Ryan, this is literally one episode a season where I get to do that. Yeah, you're right. You get it. So, uh, Disney originally experienced success with a character sold to Universal Studios known as Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And it wasn't sold to Universal Studios. It was stolen. Debatably. The way it goes is that it was a collaborative effort by Walt Disney, Roy Disney, and an artist named it works. This is the weirdest name. It's like a Star Wars character's name. I say stolen in the sense that he took it like right from underneath them and, and ran away with it to make money. Anyway, Oob, it, I'm going to say Ub It Works. That's fine. Oob It Works. I'm going to call fine. him Oob from now on. Just keep that one in your mind. Oob It Works. With the success, each of them had a comfortable salary, enough for Disney to even invest in an oil drilling venture. Like, and Ub It Works actually had something where he um, was able to invest in a painting pigment company. Like, that was to press painting pigments. Huh. So, right. it was enough money to the point where they could spend their money and have extra money to make more money. They're so comfortable. So, it was, it was profitable. And, you know, they had a good agreement for a while. However, in 1928, things started going south uh, when Disney was being contractually dicked and wanted a raise. But uh, his uh, distributor said, yeah, I'll go ahead and give you a raise. Ooh, how about a 20% cut? How does that sound? Are you sure about 1928? Yes. Because Mickey Mouse was created in 1923. 
Okay. Are you willing to bet a penalty shot on that one? Yes. Okay, let's go. Okay. All right, Greg, you're on it. I'm going to continue with my story. Real That's quick. fine. I just, before we got too far along, I wanted to stop you. If you're going by a technicality right here. You're betting on this or not? Mm-hmm. We got a penalty shot on this one. First appearance, November 18th, 1928. No, 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 no. He was first created, not first sketch. He was created by Walt Disney and UBI worked at the Walt Disney Studios in 1928. That's not, he, no, he... He was on a fucking train in 1923 was where he developed the goddamn concept for Mickey Mouse because there's the D23 the, Are you going to let me finish my story? Yes. Because you're going to do a Buffalo Colada after this. It's happening. I'm a that, was, that was the first. That, that's the first line on the Wikipedia. I'm going to keep looking. Please do. All right. Many believe that. So anyway, uh, getting back into the story after that contentious bit right there. You can eat my ass. Josh had a knife to my neck. So uh, after, you know, being offered a 20% cut instead of a raise, Disney said pretty much, fuck you, pay me. Actually, no, never mind. I'm cutting the contract. I'm not making you another fucking Oswald rap movie. So after that, Disney was kind of out of a job and Universal got to keep his concept. And many believe that Disney came up with the concept of Mickey Mouse on the train ride home, as Josh had just said. Disney actually came up with the idea of making his own separate character that his studio would retain the rights to. There was no mouse involved with this at all. So at that point, uh, Greg's looking at me with some very... Okay, still going? Greg, I'll save you the time. You can stop. I just realized I'm wrong. Okay, there we go. Buffalo Colada it is. Uh, Oh, by the way, anybody that has not heard it yet or seen it, we did our penalty shots video. It was pretty entertaining. Yes. It, just go to our YouTube channel and watch it. it also, is, could we call Mickey, since he's the second iteration, the alt-rat? <laughs> Greg, fuck you. <laughs> no. Swallow a knife, Greg. Woo! Na- by the way, 1923 was the year the Walt Disney Company was founded. That's what I was mixing up. So I'm wrong. Great. I hope coconut and buffalo go well together. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> the face he's making right now. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) so anyway, uh, Disney asked Uberworks to start drawing some concept characters and Uberworks eventually drew a horse, a cow, and even a frog, which actually came back in one of Uberworks, uh, Uberworks later works. That's a lot of tongue twisters right there. There was another frog character that Uber had made. So anyway, um, all of them were rejected by Disney. Only eventually, Uberworks saw a picture of mice that a guy named Hugh Harmon had drew a round photo of Walt, which was inspiring, which inspired the mouse character. Mm-hmm. And there, here's where it got a little bit dicey. Mm-hmm. I also heard the story that there was a tame mouse in uh, the Laughagram company that Disney was working at at one point yeah. that kind of gave him the inspiration for a mouse. I've heard both now, of those. I've seen both of those in the same article, mm-hmm. but neither said in chronology which one was which it, I, it, it was a, been, almost 100 years ago it's hard to really get the, the right answer so I know this is against what we should be doing but I guess for continuity's sake to cons- consolidate for both of these is that Disney was like you know what um, all these suck let's try a mouse I was at laugh uh, at the laughogram and I saw this nice little mouse you should try drawing a mouse and then Ub saw that picture that um, that Hugh Harmon guy drew and was like okay I got an idea for a mouse now and started drawing this mouse. And eventually, that is when Mortimer Mouse was born. And, and his <laughs> wife, Lily, suggested Mickey instead. Yeah, Lily was pretty much like, that's a really dumb name, dude. You should probably change that. And, and she was correct. Yes, she was. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Uh, so then Mickey Mouse was born. 
Uh, and <laughs> the way to go from this is it's kind of like a, already you can see that it wasn't exactly what Walt didn't have to do with this. He kind of was the guy just bouncing some ideas around at that point. He was like, yeah, we're going to have our own character. What's it going to look like? I don't know. Yeah, we're going to have this guy's, this mouse's name. Oh, wait, it's a shitty name. Never mind. I guess we'll change it to this, like my wife said. So it's kind of like he was in the soup, but he wasn't the main ingredient. I would really attribute this to Obiworks more than anybody else. Right, but he's also the one that had the money to fund this to propel Mickey into getting his start into what he is today. He did have his name on the studio. That's that like that's what it ultimately boils down to. You're not wrong in anything you're saying. And I'm not even saying I disagree with you, but ultimately he was the one whose name was on the studio who took the chance. You know, I would almost compare it to like the modern day thing of like uh, an entrepreneur that says, we need to make this type of app for Android. And then he finds a coder and is like, okay, you do everything about this app and add some cool features that I haven't thought of. Right. That's exactly it. So who created it? Eh, there's the concept, but I don't know. It's not even like the, the, the mouse wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm with you. I agree. So I would say it's, it takes a village. That's exactly right. Um, and but a little other tidbit to this, most people consider Mickey's first debut, and Disney considers the first debut to be Steamboat Willie, yeah. which was released November eighteenth of nineteen twenty eight. But this was actually the first distributed debut. There were two other films before Steamboat Willie that Mickey was featured in. The first one was a test screening called Plane Crazy, but it didn't impress the audience, and nobody picked it up. So that's insult to injury right there. It was just it wasn't going anywhere. Now. This clearly shows that Disney and co are much more resilient than I am. Cause I would have been like, nobody likes my stuff. I'm going to go ahead and do something <laughs> else in my life. But no, he actually made a second film that was called uh gallop and guacho, which uh, or gaucho, sorry, uh, gallop and gaucho. And it also never saw the light of day. Like it just huh. wasn't, it didn't get shown anybody really. Huh. So then steamboat Willie happened. And that was actually a parody film of something else. And it turned out that people really liked that. So you have to like give them a little bit of something that they're familiar with in order for them to get warmed up to something new. I guess yeah. that's how it worked back then. But that's a very boiled down version of uh, the history of Mickey and how he came to be. So um, it was fascinating to me just reading like the whole process of this happening uh, way back in 1928. Yeah, you can eat my ass. So I knew a good chunk of that. and But the reason I say that's probably the most interesting thing we'll cover because... The whole reason this empire exists is because of Mickey Mouse, you know, and I know that, you know, Walt may not have been the one to create him like we've discussed, but he was the one who was willing to take the chance and to build his empire with Mickey. So, you know, like you said, it definitely takes a village. I don't think anybody would ever debate that, you know, but when we talk about Shrek, you know, for example, okay, just using that as an example. Do you give anybody credit for anything or do you give Mike Myers credit because he's the voice? I give Mike Myers the absolute least credit just knowing that Chris Farley actually had the entire movie fleshed out just about before he died. And then Mike Myers went in. This is completely off track. I'm sorry. But Mike Myers went in and recorded the entire movie practically and said, you know what? Never mind. I want to be a Scottish accent. And then had them redo the entire Fire thing in a Scottish accent. They could have said no. But but my point being is that... Shrek to Smash Mouth. Okay, I can't. I, I can't even deny that. Yeah, is, but, is the train derailed now? No, is that Mickey creating train just gone? No, but the point is, is that like you associate 
and and Walt was also the first voice for Mickey as well. I don't know if most people know that. I he wasn't the most boy. he wasn't the most famous, but he was the first. It was always assumed for me. Right, Greg, you should be the new voice of Mickey. They need a new movie for him. That was oh, a pretty good one. So you know, like Bill that, Burr is Mickey. I love <laughs> the shit out of that. What are you a rat? <laughs> <laughs> Put the cheese on this goddamn table. <laughs> oh boy, I just saw this fucking mini. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm I'm Have so happy. You loggers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you know, it just you associate a lot of uh, characters today. You know, uh, uh, even James Earl Jones. That's a perfect example. Do you say associate James Earl Jones Ooh. with Darth Vader? Yes, I do. But he's not Darth Vader. He's he, the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, uh, I talked about this with somebody recently, and I keep forgetting the name of the original Darth Vader. It's David. Um, David Prowse. David Prowse. Yeah, dude is not let around anyone involving the Star Wars cast anymore. But my point being is that James Earl Jones just simply recorded the voice, but everybody associates him with Mufasa and Darth Vader. Yeah, actually, I. You know, you would say it's Darth Vader, but I most associate James Earl Jones uh, with Coming Mr. Myrtle oh. from The Sandlot. Uh, yeah, that's fair, too. Yeah. That's that's fair. But so, like, that's my whole thing about why people associate Mickey with Walt. He was the voice. He was the funding. And it was his company. No, totally reasonable. Yeah. But not exactly accurate. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think there's an issue with that. Is there anything else you want to add before we uh, we get into my next thing? No, I think I said that a lot more coherently than I expected to. Okay. So the the next topic that I'm going to talk about is kind of a callback. In one of our previous Disney episodes, we talked about Walt Disney being a communist or uh, having communist dealings or anything like that. There's a couple other uh, avenues that lead similar that run parallel with that. We're going down the CD pass at this point. Yeah. We're, we're this lifting the veil Oh, we didn't Disney. say he was a communist, that he was against communism no no no. i've heard both there was uh, both that okay, you know okay. you know but this one is that disney was an fbi informant that's the first part i'm going to talk about so this one's a little murky you know he did have dealings with the government because he testified before congress about communism and suspected communists we've talked about mccarthyism before we had greg do a little bit of a uh, tirade on it right uh, if anybody wants to know again, it was a section during the Red Scare where there the second these, Red Scare, technically, where there were these hearings <laughs> about um, the Committee uh, of Un-American, uh, Against Un-American Activities. House Un-American Activities Committee. Yes, that's the one where they pretty much found anybody in Hollywood, rounded them up and was just like, hey, uh, are you a communist? And like, no. And they're like, we don't believe you. We got <laughs> no. some proof. And then yeah, I mean, they sometimes were they were part of the communist of party and Hollywood was a huge target. Yeah. And it, it was a witch hunt. Yeah, and but Walt spoke out against some of even his own animators that he suspected were communists. So obviously, because of you know he, he testified before Congress, he had some contact with the FBI. Well, that kind of transitioned into Walt Disney was an FBI informant for a number of years. Well, while there is some truth that he was he was in contact with the FBI a hell of a lot, but it's not for the reason you would ultimately suspect with somebody uh, who had testified before Congress. It's the porn stash, isn't it? Yes. He had contacted the FBI numerous times about using their facilities to implement learning and 
um, friendly, family-friendly storylines for children with the FBI. So he would get the FBI, some of their agents, and their kids, and and bring them on to the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse show. Um, not the Clubhouse, the Mickey Mouse Club show. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse I watch with my three-year-old niece. The Mickey Mouse Club show is um, they would have, like, little segments where they would have, like, a FBI agent shooting um, uh, a target. He would be hitting the bullseye, so it shows that he's he's very accurate and he's a marksman. And they would talk to him a little bit, and they'd show how smart he is and how, like, it's a very reputable job and things like that. You can even look at a bunch of the documents that the FBI have on Walt Disney. They're in the show notes um, because of the Freedom of Information Act. They were released. Now, you can't read everything, and a lot of pages are blacked out or redacted because it was matters of national security. So they weren't able to completely release all of them. You don't want to know what Disney said in those redacted parts. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was the reason he was in contact with the FBI. He had a lot, a lot of letters written back and forth between either him personally or people that he worked with because he wanted to show – children that the FBI was a good job and you know that it was very friendly no reason to be afraid of and things like that now the other part of this that people want to talk about I appreciate your fight against the commies you got a kid I want to show him some films (laughs) that people want to point at is that Walt Disney was an anti-semite I'm sure you've heard that I swear there's no Jews in these films well the thing about it is that much like the the first topic Ryan there was absolutely nothing that I could find about Walt Disney being an anti-Semite outside of, you know, him being a reptilian overlord and the New World Order and things like that. Except for the truth. <laughs> Open your eyes, sheeple. Man, if you want to have a fun time, you should read all of these conspiracy websites about Walt Disney. It's a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Oh, yeah, it's great. Because I, I see things there at the same time. I mean, the whole reptilian thing. And then at the same time, he's an anti-Semite, but the Jews run the world anyway. So the Jews are self-hating reptiles. Right. That's the only logical conclusion you can come to. Well, the only reason they catch him around is because he can use the Walt Disney Company as mind control for their children and get them to do what they want them to do. All good teenagers take their clothes off. That's right. <laughs> Well, so one of the things that I find so interesting about Walt Disney, you know, supposedly being a Nazi on his own Wikipedia page, which we have fully disclosed before we use Wikipedia. If you don't think it's a reputable source, you can contact me or Greg and Greg will send you a picture of his butthole. I have a couple of English classes that I passed because of Wikipedia. Thank you very much. Me too. So Walt Disney. So there was an animator that actually hated him. Uh, I, the names escape me right now, but it's in the show notes. That animator's name, Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When he was done with the Manhattan Project, he went to work for the Walt Disney Company. Uh, th- there was an animator who was Jewish that worked for Walt Disney, and he hated him. That but, just proves my point even more so. But he, he even came out and said multiple times that Walt Disney never had a hateful thing to say about him personally or the Jewish community. Now... To be fair, farther enough down on the same Wikipedia page, that same guy that said Walt Disney never said anything bad also said that he saw Walt Disney at a goddamn neo-Nazi, uh, like pro-Nazi meeting with his lawyer. He never said anything, but, you know, he was kind of hanging out at the wrong drive-in theater. Well, here's the thing, though. Walt Disney doted, donated a shit ton of money to Jewish charities. And not only that, he hired a lot of Jew- Jewish employees that were in very prominent positions that, you know, had a lot of power. 
So if he was an anti-Semite, he definitely wouldn't be doing those things. Yeah. See, I never got the whole anti-Semite. Sorry, I don't follow fake news. I don't get the whole (laughs) anti-Semitism thing, especially around that era. This is a time where I would suspect that Jews would be the most sympathetic. I mean, this isn't trying to get too geopolitical or anything like that. But, I mean, this is very closely after World War II where there was a whole section. This is is before World War II. Really? Yes. This oh, was in yeah, the you're 30s. right. I'm, th- I'm thinking about like right around the time of his death at this point. Well, well yeah, his death was in 65. But it's only 20 years after the war. Right, right. Okay, so this might change the perspective. I mean, I can see then where it's just like, oh, man, those Jews. Oh, wait, they're killing like millions of them? Yeah, we're not okay with that part. We just like hating them. Well, so, but the, <laughs> the thing about it, though, is that like, so mainly during the we 30s. We got to work on our backtracking. <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, people want to point it to the 30s is when Walt Disney was like really big into being a neo-Nazi or an anti-Semite or whatever. But the fact of the matter was, was that not only was he fresh out of World War One, where he had a damn good military record, by the way. I mean, he, he got honorably discharged and everything from what I remember. Don't quote me on that. No penalty shots. Um, but I'm pretty sure he was honorably discharged. Greg. Greg's on it. Um, but he was also dealing with the Great Depression, trying to keep his own studio afloat. So he and he also during that time was also not very political. So there's no reason he would be making all these political statements as well. Right. But at the same rate, it's completely reasonable for this type of rumor to kind of uh, foment a little bit, especially now that you mentioned that it's pre-World War One, because uh, even in the 20s, like after World War One was, you know, fizzling down and everything, there were people here that were pretty big Hitler fans yeah. that, and like Mussolini fans, too, that were just like. Dude, these people got their government running and everything. They know what they're doing. They have good ideas to like get everything kind of smoothly going. The whole American experiment thing is going a little bit with results that we weren't expecting. We don't want this, you know? Like they wanted something that was comfortable and Hitler actually was kind of a I never thought we'd be talking about Hitler during a Disney episode. But he was not exactly hated in America before World War II happened. No, and the number of newspapers that were written in German language was was astounding. I mean, it was through the roof. It was not, I mean, obviously not as many as English newspapers, but there was a hell of a lot of them because there was a lot of people from Germany that came over here. Yeah, so that being said, at the same time, I mean, we went through, um, you know, some economical, you know, crises at the same time, mm-hmm. I and mean, not as bad as Germany right after World War One. But, you know, everybody needs someone to blame. So, honestly, I don't see this being a completely unrealistic type of um, rumor. Because, I mean, look at what happened after World War II. Did we take all the displaced Jewish people? No, we didn't. We didn't let almost any of them in afterwards. And I'm probably going to get an email about that saying we did. But for the sake, we rather have started a whole different state and just displace a few people and just, like, make Israel than anybody taking all of these people in. Um, so it's a, a very interesting type of, um, I guess, stereotype to put on people like that. Like, you know, that Walt Disney was an anti-Semite. Uh, I guess what I'm going down for is it, I, I would believe it, but you know, there's no proof. Like the, the, the facts say otherwise. I mean, he wouldn't be donating to Jewish, you know, he wouldn't be hiring so many Jewish people and donating to Jewish charities and things like that. It sounds like I'm really trying to push like, yeah, I'm trying to find a reason for Disney to be an anti-Semite, but no, I'm, I'm pretty neutral on this, You're but playing I kind of understand either though. way. Yeah. yeah, I know. I understand. And, um, Greg has not like jumped in on this at all. I, I was know. expecting him to be yelling at me totally at this is point. Your, is that what you say? I'm not repeating the whole story. <laughs> Listen, listen on the playback, Greg. Uh, the last oh, thing that I'm going to talk about uh, for this topic. One thing is actually really interesting is you're you're wrong, but the story is really interesting. But we'll we'll come back to that maybe. 
No, go ahead. I want to hear. We'll yeah, go with so it. Actually, no, save for the tidbits. Save it for yeah, like yeah, a little Yeah, because okay. also it's not well researched. I just have kind of like a cliff's note to the stuff I just went through. But yeah, we'll come back to it. Okay. So the last part that I'm going to talk about is that a lot. And on top of the Disney dirt. Yeah, of the Disney dirt. That's a good That's a good name for, for this. I like Popsicle. <laughs> uh, Walt Disney was a racist. That's the other thing that people like to point out. And and it's a, because of a film that we covered before, Ryan, Song of the South, that is not readily available. So people, you know, in modern day, like to say that Walt Disney was a racist because he allowed this film to be made. And, you know, he put a stamp of approval on it and things like that. But... You have to remember that these were different times, and that's a that's a that's not an excuse, but that that's just the way things were. I need a whiteboard where we count how many times you say you got to consider the time of these people that we're talking about. It comes to every also history qualifying episode. Qualifying we're not saying it's okay. Yeah, you know <laughs> that's the thing is like we're not saying we we're agree just with saying it. Or it's okay. They thought it but was okay. Context is every it is a huge yeah. component. It doesn't mean you allow these things to be okay, but it, it does be like well, you know. No, yeah, yeah, it's hard to explain, to be honest. It's just kind of, it's wrong. But, but the the fact was that Walt Disney was not a racist. He didn't make racist remarks. He didn't belittle people of color that or people that weren't white or anything like that. You know, uh, in fact, you know, people love to point out that Song of the South is the reason that Walt Disney's a racist. But Walt himself campaigned for James Basket to receive an Academy Award for his role as Uncle Remus in Song of the South. And he was the first person of color to ever win that award. Because of Walt Disney's campaign for it. There we go. So I think that does a pretty damn good job of saying, you know, if somebody who's a racist wouldn't be campaigning for for this guy to, to win, you know, an, an honorable Academy Award. All right. Now you're ready for the slider or the curveball I'm going to throw at you. Let's do it. Because I don't think I mentioned this, but we know we have to. What about Walt Disney being a sexist? You have to remember the times. Oh, God. <laughs> because we happen to know, and we're going to put this in the notes, there is a letter with Walt Disney uh, responding to a letter from a girl saying, hey, I really would like to be an animator for your studio. Oh, God. We, we all read this together. Mm-hmm. And it says specifically, yeah, it's great. I love your enthusiasm. But we, you know... Women don't do that. They can, like, trace stuff, but they're not a part of the creative process. Women don't make things. They just kind of, like, you know, help to make things. Uh, his policy for a while was, you know, things like shaders, tracers, um, and just um, bubblers for certain, uh, you know, comics or anything like that or films, which is a very important role. I mean, if you look at, like, the streamlining of even how comics are made today, there are specific roles for people that color, that trace, that initially draw. The, the initial artist does uh i'm gonna put it maybe 30 percent of the work and then it goes on to the rest of the people that just you know do everything else and um it, it, of the physical work yes. yeah yeah there's a whole nother but argument in, about yeah, yeah intellectual usage and da, 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 but yeah like as far as physically drawing it yeah in terms of uh in terms of the actual creative process like finding out what you know snow white's gonna look like i guarantee that that like that was just completely uh, Disney wanted men to do the creating and then women to just do all the stuff where it was just like, here, you trace this. It says in the letter. Well, so my thing is that you got to remember that women's suffrage was passed in what, 1920? 
something yeah. like uh, that. 1929, I believe. No, I think it's like I think it was 1920 on the dot. 21 or 29, Greg. I I will take it. It's not even I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm like 90 percent sure it's 1920. But anyway, you know, Snow White came out in 1939. That's only 19 years removed from when women were allowed to vote. Yeah, I guess they were still easing it in over you know, 20 like, years, the entire generation. And, and that's not an excuse for it or anything. I mean, but look at segregation. You know, that was passed. And how long was it before? There were there were places decades later that still had segregated schools. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. Some people just refuse to change. And that's not defending Walt Disney. That's not defending those racist dickbags or anything like that. But some people refuse to change. And if he was in a position of power, he had the right to just, you know, decide who he wanted to hire and who he didn't and things like that. Yeah. And arguably you could do the whole like uh, uh, Snow White deal, like the blackballing the actress and everything, that type of deal. Yeah, but that wasn't true. Yeah, we, co- we covered that. That wasn't true. And, and, you know, the fact that he still allowed them to work there, granted, they weren't the head position, but, you know, at least he, he allowed them to work there shows that he was at least willing to adapt and to change and to, you know, not completely write them off as, you know, being less than or anything like it's that. It's ratified in 1920. Ooh, OK, there ass. you go. Uh, well, for me, uh, you know, I would say it was begrudgingly he wasn't sexist, but I would say that. Uh, from a personal side of it, he was still very ingrained in the generation of before 1920. Was oh, he, yeah. Was he a overt racist and sexist who, you know, called women sweet cheeks and smacked their butts and then you dropped racial slurs left and right? No. No. Like, it, it, you know, it's that it's that gray area where you're like, yeah, probably shouldn't be acting and saying <laughs> these things. Right. They wouldn't fly in today's society. Yeah. You know, the fact that Song of the South was nicked so quickly says a lot. It, right? That's exactly yeah. right. We should have had, had a Don. On both fronts that like they probably shouldn't have greenlit it in the first place. But I feel like we should have yeah. had like a Don Draper meter for Disney for everything we're comparing it to for this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all the Disney dirt that I got, Ryan. I believe you're going to take what you believe is the most important topic of this this episode. Yes, I do believe this is the most important because it is the most prolific of all of them. Not necessarily the most believed, but everyone has heard this at some point or another. I would say at least every American has heard it. Okay. Um. And that is the idea that Walt Disney was frozen cryogenically after Let death and um, and uh, he is being saved for a while for another day <laughs> when all of his ailments can be solved. The cold never bothered me anyway. <laughs> yeah, dude, that made my research so much hard, harder because the entire time I was looking up Disney, Walt Disney frozen and there's just like half of it was Elsa Anna, Rule 34, and then a few uh, bits dude, about Disney. Everything about Disney involving the word Disney and porn was just Rule 34 left and right. Yeah. Um, I understand. Check the show notes for any links for anything that we found. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, and hit up Greg for his personal email for his own personal file. He's been vetting them very hard. He doesn't go to brony level, but he does some shit, man. He's married now. That's all he's got. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, after the bus departs the stop that we threw Greg under. Yep. Um, uh, so anyway, Walt Disney was frozen. Uh, so Walt Disney died of lung cancer on December 15th of 1966. Oh, shit. we He, not so not too long ago. Yeah. All right. Guess what, everybody? We haven't crossed into 2017 as of this recording. We're close, but no cigar. So anyway, after his death, his body was cryogenically frozen, and the kicker is, is that he was put into a secret facility underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Disneyland. Stop. Why? Like, <laughs> why Pirates of the Caribbean? 
Why? I sp- Why not Jungle Cruise? I spent a good 20 minutes trying to find that answer. Could not find anything. Okay. I was about to hit some people you up. You heard that it here, I folks. We spent 20 minutes on it. <laughs> 20 minutes is my limit for something. All for you, rumor flies. Uh, so I was actually about to ask a few other people, and I have one good like Disney encyclopedia in human form that I could have talked to about it. But I didn't because I just remembered that I could have asked him. You never asked me. Not you. F- off. How deep is the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? Doesn't matter. No, it does matter. This guy would have asked. It would have answered me in inches. So anyway, uh, I can't really tell you why it was under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I guess people just wanted to like add a little bit of sauce to the recipe and just make it a much more flavorful rumor. However, uh, the rumor actually was started by a guy named Bob Nelson, who was, I'm ready for this segue, I don't know how this like career change happened. He was a former TV repairman and eventually became the president of the California Cryogenic Society. What does one have to do with the other? Uh, once again, I spent 20 minutes on that one <laughs> and could not find any answers. We're up to 40 minutes on research. There we go. He was quoted in a uh, 1972 interview with the Los Angeles Times saying, quote, Walt Disney wanted to be frozen. Lots of people think that he was and that the body is in cold storage in his basement. The truth is, Walt missed out. He never specified it in writing, and when he died, the family didn't go for it. They had him cremated. I personally have seen his ashes. They're in Forest Lawn. Two weeks later, we froze the first man. If Disney had been first, it would have made headlines around the world and been a real shot in the arm for cryonics. But that's the way it goes. End quote. <laughs> Penalty shot. Worth it. First, first Dan Carlin, the only shot of the season. There we go. So my question is, though, is that, and Greg, you can weigh in on this. They don't cryogenically freeze someone after they die. It's before they die, right? Mm, I can't really tell you the whole story about that one. Okay. But around that time, there were a whole lot. There's actually, yes, people are frozen, but there's a whole lot of laws about that. In the 80s, there was this big issue because there wasn't a standard there had people that were frozen. I'm glad I got to go into this. There was a company. I'm not quite sure if it was the uh, the Cryonic Society of uh, California, but there was a few companies that got screwed over and got sued terribly because nobody checked the bodies afterwards and just left them and they got thawed out. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that was for nothing. So there actually have been standards put in place for cryogenically freezing bodies. Okay. This does happen. However, let's go and just like point out that first kink in the armor for this rumor. The very first instance of this rumor was a guy saying, yeah, Walt wanted to be frozen, but he didn't get frozen. This is in 1972. This is six years after Walt Disney died. Not a very long time to start a rumor. So I, I should have saved that one for later, but, you know, the snowball kept rolling, you know, no pun intended, and it <laughs> built up more. Uh, the rumor proliferated a bit more by a guy named Mark Elliott, who did a biography on Disney in 1993. And this guy, for the record, was known to be a piece of shit and just pretty much doing a smear campaign on Disney. Not that he didn't deserve some of the things that happened, but this guy tried to make the dude a lot darker than he actually was. Um, aside from the whole FBI informant, you know, possibly sexist hiring policies, stuff like that. Oh, he was this, this book. This was the guy that was like, he he was the one who came out. He wrote a New York times piece. I have it in the show notes. He's the one who talks about like Walt Disney was an FBI informant for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, his piece is called Hollywood's dark prince. Right. It's called Walt Disney Hollywood's dark prince. Right. So that should show you a little bit of like, you know, skewing of the facts or possible bias from the get go. So um, what he said in the biography is 
Disney's growing preoccupation with his own mortality also led him to explore the science of cryogenics, the freezing of an aging or ill person until such time as the human body can be revived and restored to health. Disney often mused to Roy about the notion to, of perhaps having himself frozen, an idea which received dot 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 indulgent nods from his brother. So anyway, there was actually no source from Elliot. Like, he just drew this one out of thin air. And also, Roy O. Disney has never been recorded mentioning anything about Walt's desire to be frozen. So, this is just like getting holes poked in it like crazy. I still don't know where Pirates of the Caribbean came in along this way. I would love to know that. It's great. If you know somebody, if somebody is more versed than us about Disney, please, please, please let us know why Pirates of the Caribbean. That'd be awesome if they had like in the Pirates of the Caribbean where they go to the Arctic, you know, or something like that. <laughs> or like you like there's a glass bottom in the boat and you just look down at one point and you see Walt's body. Oh, that'd be awesome. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, no sources. But there was another quote that said the surgeons had taken away his diseased lung to examine it and then they were going to preserve it. Walt was pleased when he had heard that. He knew enough about cryogenesis by now to be aware that it was important to hold on to all the organs, just in case the surgeons needed to treat them before putting them back where they belonged. So we're just kind of like, we're going to hold on to this for you, fix it, put it back in you, you'll be good as new. Okay. Now, there were a few articles before Walt died, and by before, I mean like probably a few months, maybe a year beforehand, there was a book that was uh, published. published. That talked about cryogenics and the possibility of a human being frozen and brought back later. You know, Vanilla Sky Style, which is still one of my favorite movies. I will not hold any reservations about that one. So that's another quote. Now we're going to go ahead and have the nail in the coffin. Josh, I had no idea that Walt Disney had kids. Yeah, he had a couple kids. Yeah, well, apparently Diane Disney, who... His uh, daughter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yes, his, his, his daughter. Not, yeah, he not, fucked. Yeah, not, <laughs> not Diane Disney, Diane. She said, um, in an ironic twist, there is absolutely no truth to the rumor that my father, Walt Disney, wished to be frozen. I, I doubt that my father had ever heard of cryonics. So, I guess that wasn't a twist or anything. It was just complete bullshit. Well, so, like, after Walt died, Roy took over, and then Roy's family took over, and then down the line, that's when Michael Eisner took over, because he married into the family. Ah. That's how it works. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. Who's the current guy running it? Bob Iger. Okay. Wait, we have Michael Eisner's number. Why don't we call him up and ask him to do this? I don't know. That's a good point. So anyway, uh, there was other evidence that people saw. Like This is, once again, one of those, you know, black background, white print type of websites that were saying that, like, you know. (laughs) I can't roll my eyes hard enough. (laughs) So um, a lot of people said, oh, well, you know. Walt Disney, he didn't have, like, you know, uh, a funeral or anything like that, or it was a very secretive funeral. They didn't tell anybody about his death uh, until, like, well after it happened. He didn't go to funerals. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm about to get into that right there. But, yeah, pretty much, you know, he... um, They didn't tell the media about his death until hours afterwards. It wasn't days, it was hours, because out of respect... You know, the media decided, I guess, I don't know if they do it today or not, but they wanted to make sure the family found out about him dying directly before they found out about it on the news. Right. So they waited for a bit to tell the important people that knew him that he had died before actually telling the rest of the world. I think that's fair. Completely reasonable. Uh, Secondly... Walt Disney to Bailey didn't even want a funeral in the first place. Yeah, he he like didn't like going to funerals or anything like that. Yeah, uh, once again, his daughter said this, and this 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 kind of hit home for me. Uh, he said uh, he never goes to a funeral if he can help it. 
Uh, if he had to go to one, it plunges him into this reverie which lasts for hours after he's home. At such times, he says, when I'm dead, I don't want a funeral. I want people to remember me when I'm alive. Yeah. You know, and I, I go with that. You know, when my dad died, like, you know, we didn't have like an open cast or anything because like, you know, it's a I think it's a better thing in order just personal. Just some people like closure, but I like thinking of somebody, you know, as they were when they were alive. Right. So it's just one of those things that uh, I can totally relate to. And people should just step out of that business immediately. If he wanted to have a very small private thing where people, I mean, it's a weird thing. You know, uh, I'm not trying to get too deep about it, but everybody gets together and looks at a dead person and then just puts him in the ground. <laughs> that's what it, yeah, that's, that's what, what a funeral, you know, goes down to. It's just like you look at a dead person and it's just like, bye-bye, and you put him in the ground. I mean, that's why New Orleans is It's kind of weird, too. I mean, there's weirder ones. Like in India, they you know throw them on a river and burn the bodies, that type of deal. But uh, everybody has their own customs to help them cope. But well, Disney was like one of those people who was like, you know, that's not me. Alive me is me. Please respect that. Well, And I, that's what they did. And everybody just throws yeah. a shit about it and thinks he was frozen for some reason. Well, I mean, it's it's a fun thing to talk about. You know, like that's one of those rumors that have been propagated. And, you know, people just like to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's salacious, but it certainly is like a juicy little rumor. But I mean, even online, there's a death certificate and confirmation of cremation uh, for Walt Disney, mm-hmm. along with information on the plot of land they bought in Forest Lawn Memorial Park. That Disney was buried in. Yeah. So, I mean, there is literally nothing to this if you're going to go by his daughter's word. I think that she's a very trustworthy source. Yeah. Uh, So just, you know, that's what makes New Orleans so great is that when we have funerals, we just eat and drink a lot. So I have no issue with that. But you actually make a nice segue from my last topic of the night. And this is going to be very brief. It's just going to be a couple little like interesting tidbits about Walt that, you know, I've learned throughout the years. Yeah, this is officially us tying the bow on the Disney saga. Right, We're right, going right. to have to come up with the first episode for the next few seasons and figure out what that's going to be. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll cross the bridge when we get to we it. We might come back to Disney one day if we find something particularly good. But uh, for now, we hope you enjoyed it. And here's just a little bit of more lighthearted stuff. Right. So, you know, you said Walt Disney died of lung cancer. And one of my favorite things is that when you start working at Walt Disney World, one of the things that you learn is what they call the Disney point. And it's never one finger pointing at something. It's either two fingers or it's four fingers. But it was originally implemented as being two fingers because they see it as it's it's a lot more welcoming and it doesn't look as like so uh, accusatory or anything like that. And they say like pointing is rude as well. So but with two fingers, it, it's much more reasonable and people are more welcoming to it. But the whole point is that the, the reason that the Disney whole point. point yeah, the whole point that Disney point came along was because Walt Disney was such a heavy smoker that when he was out looking at things and he was pointing at him, he had a cigarette in his hand. So he was pointing at places with a cigarette in his hand and it just became known as, as the Disney point and they picked it up. And so that's how you learned the Disney point. So what's your point? Uh, I typically use two fingers. Yeah. Double entendre. Yeah, yeah. I got what you said. I and like actually, it. yes, I have seen Josh. Uh, playing to some things and he actually does do the two finger salute. So. Yeah, it's just it's, you know, ingrained in your brain. And like, I mean, I can respect it because like it it does seem a lot more welcoming than like one finger kind of thing. So uh, the other thing that I found interesting, you know, people love to talk about that. Walt Disney was from Chicago. Walt Disney was not from Chicago. It was from Missouri. He was, yeah, I always heard Missouri. Why do people think he was from Chicago? Because he was born in Missouri and moved to Chicago later on in life. Oh, okay. Uh, like he, I mean, he was still young. He was, you know, very young, but like he was still born in Missouri. Um, and the other thing, and and just to kind of put, and this is like the last thing I'm going to talk about. 
when you asked me before, Ryan, about you know whether I think Walt Disney would be happy with the company now, the reason I say no is because when Walt bought Disneyland and that was opened in 1955, okay, he the problem that he ran into was when people find out Disney was building a theme park, they bought all the area around it. That's why Disneyland is so tiny. Now, he decided that he was going to change that, and he was going to build another park somewhere else, and it was eventually Disney World, and he decided on Florida, but he used a pseudonym, a fake name, and a bunch of different company names, and he was just buying a ton of land under fake names for, like, pennies on the dollar. little interesting bit. Disney World was actually supposed to be built in New, New Orleans, Orleans. Yeah. which we need to... I want to actually research that. I've heard that before. That would be something that we should look into sometime. I, they mention it. Um, there's a little... Uh, the Man Behind the Dream segment in Hollywood <laughs> Studios, and it was mentioned in one part. Let's get that there. in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but he was buying the land, just stupid amounts of land for pennies on the dollar, which... Um, he wasn't until he started paying more money for land when people found out uh, that he was buying the land and they were like, oh, well, we're going to charge him a lot more because he needs all of it. So when he originally wanted to, to, to bring Walt Disney World to, to, to everyone, his original thought was Epcot and he wanted a community for people to go live, stay, work and everything inside of Epcot. And it was originally going to be in Celebration, Florida. But he died before the construction was ever were to begin. So Roy's just kind of like, well, shit, um, what are we going to do now? Like, this was Walt's dream. And he, you know, we don't really know what he wanted. But he was like, we know how to build like a kingdom castle park. So we're going to do that. And that's how Magic Kingdom came to be in 1971. Ah. So that's why he ended up doing that. And the other like little last tidbit about Walt Disney World that I found interesting is that first fucking massive as Walt Disney World is right now. Only one third of, of the land that's there is the actual park that you see. Really? They still have, I mean, another third of it they'll never touch because it's conservation and wildlife and everything. But they still have another one third to build and expand on before huh. they run out. That's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. So maybe the villain park may actually happen. I'd love it. But, you know, I'm not holding my breath either. Yeah. And the little thing when I found earlier about World War One was that um he and his friend kept lying about their age and... They couldn't get to the American military. They tried to lie in Canada. Walt oh, got in, but right, his friend right. didn't. So they concocted again. They came back to the U.S. Um, and his mom was saying, no, I'm not sending my son off to die. And all these things. And with all this drama, all these attempts and all these things with his parents, um, the war ended. Yeah. But then he ended up going to France afterwards. Yeah, that's And doing ambulance work with the Red Cross. Yeah. And um, had a pretty miserable experience and drew cartoons during it. <laughs> He's like just a cold and rainy all the time. And okay. I knew he did a lot of food. good. I, I So I was wrong about him being decorated, but I knew he did a lot of good because he was you know working with the ambulance. Yeah, he That's with what the it Red was. Cross. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So at least we know Walt Disney didn't shoot anybody during wartime. You don't know that. That's He's, like a lead for the next Disney during episode. <laughs> wartime. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, last installment of our Disney episode. We love doing it. You know, it, there's a, I'm personally a little sad to see it go, but, you know, we're not oh, rolling we're it out. Back. Let's be real. Yeah. We'll be back. Yeah, we will. We, we love but it we so much. We may not be as plans. centrally themed on one yeah. thing, but we'll have something in the future. If you like what we do. But we have no concrete plans. Yeah. If, uh, is, this, is this the plug time? Yep. Well, uh, let's see. If there's anything that we need to mention. We already talked about the, the penalty shots video. Yeah. yeah please check that out. Um, um, we've, we've, we've had some really great interview stuff that we've done with New Harvest and Truth with and Advertising. Truth and Advertising, which are great. We they know were it so sounds weird that we just did interviews, but that's 
it's cool shit. Like, yeah. check it out. Yeah, it's fun. We think fun you guys would like it. Stuff. Um, so, yeah, as always, check us out at rumorfliespodcast.com. Uh, Find us at rumorflies at gmail.com, at rumorflies on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, that's sweet, sweet SEO. And um, please uh, consider writing us a five-star review on iTunes. Those are really, really important and help increase our notoriety and make people think we're actually relevant. (laughs) And um, anything else, guys? Nope. I think that about wraps it up. So uh, thanks again, everyone. We'll see you real soon. Happy birthday, Greg. I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. Bye. <laughs> this episode's closing song is Music in Circles by Y Music.